Chapter 10. You Gotta Move. As soon as Charlie left, Carol opened the cabinet to grab a mug and sample the coffee. She pulled out one with a fierce-looking Baylor bear, but also noticed a mug with Honey's name on it, still on the bottom shelf of the cabinet, as if it were in regular rotation. If he says he's ready, he's ready, she thought, and being with him means being with all of him, past and present. She took her coffee out to the swing and closed her eyes while she glided, listening to the mockingbirds. She heard a door open from the house beside Charlie's. A woman about his age came outside and walked to the end of her driveway to pick up her newspaper. She looked over at the North House and seemed surprised to see Carol. Good morning, she called and waved. Carol waved back and the woman walked through the damp yard. For a minute, I thought you were one of the girls, she said. Hi, I'm Carol Allen, a friend of Charlie's. The woman raised her eyebrows and Carol quickly added, He's in Austin, with the girls, actually. My house had a gas leak, so he kindly offered his place to my son and me while it's being repaired. Hmm, the woman replied suspiciously. Yeah, those happen sometimes. Carol nodded. It's been such a headache. This was a huge help to us. The woman continued to glare at her. I don't think I caught your name, Carol continued. I'm Debbie. I think I've seen you at church, but it's nice to meet you, she said stiffly. I guess I'll be seeing you around more. She turned and walked back across the yard, and Carol saw her pull her phone out of the pocket of her robe. Oh boy, she thought, I should probably give Charlie a heads up on this one. UT and Baylor were both on the road that weekend, so Charlie drove south on I-35 through light traffic, arriving in Austin in time for lunch. His head and his heart were full of memories from the night before, but his stomach was growling by the time he met the girls at his favorite barbecue restaurant downtown. He popped a pill in his mouth that he'd been taking to help with his reflux and chuckled at the text from Carol. Debbie says hello. Actually, she doesn't. She says, who are you and why are you sitting on Charlie's porch first thing in the morning? Smiley face. Just wanted to give you a heads up. Good luck. He replied, made it just fine. Don't worry about the nosy neighbors. Can't wait to see you tonight. XO. The girls were already inside and they waved him over to their table. They spent the first few minutes catching up on how everything was going in general and digging into a basket of onion rings. So I wanted to talk with you both about something, he said and cleared his throat. The growling in his stomach turned into butterflies. He had been married to their mother for 20 years and they had both adored her. They'd all adored her. He didn't want them to think anyone could easily take her place. I've been, um, getting to know someone. At church, he added quickly. Her name's Carol. I mentioned her on the 4th, remember? Well, things are starting to get more serious, I guess. Sweat broke out on his forehead, and he dabbed at it with a napkin. Oh, good grief, he thought. Um, well, I guess I wanted to see how you both felt about that. The sisters exchanged looks, but didn't say anything. You don't seem completely surprised he said. We'd heard a little about all this, Emily said. We were kind of waiting for you to tell us. What did you hear? He asked. Again, they looked at each other, but didn't say anything. Girls, he warned, his voice hearkening back to one he had used multiple times during their teenage years. We heard she was really young, Dad, Beth burst out. Our age? Really? She's not your age. Not exactly. But she is 30, which is younger than some people might expect, I guess. And she's been, Emily looked around and lowered her voice, spending the night with you? Good grief, 
This place might as well be Mayberry. She and her six-year-old son, I might add, stayed over last night and last night only because they had a gas leak at their house. We all had dinner, then I slept on the couch. He threw his napkin on the table, too frustrated to even touch his brisket that had just arrived. You know, she wanted to go to a hotel. She said people would talk about how it looked. I just had no idea it would be the next day. They stared at their food, and he could tell they were still bothered. The conversation wasn't going at all the way he'd hoped. He took a deep breath, looked at them both for a minute, then pulled out a strategy he'd used all through their childhood. Reset button, he asked. They both looked at him, smiled, and nodded. The three of them each put one hand on the middle of the table, pressed down, and together said, reset button. Hey, look at that. It still works, he said. Okay, let's try again. What else do you want to know about all this? Hit me. He dug into his lunch, and they started firing questions at him. They asked several about her job, and Charlie finally realized they were making sure she wasn't after him for his money. He tried not to show how amused he was that they thought he actually had any money, especially after how much he was paying for them to go to school. They wanted to know more about Cal, and Charlie's eyes lit up as he filled them in on what a good kid he was. They laughed about the latest story Carol had told him from Cal's kindergarten class, which he took as a good sign. After they all finished eating, Charlie leaned back, stuffed from the brisket and more relaxed than when the conversation had started. Anything else? You girls need to know you're the most important people in the world to me. I care a great deal about Carol already, but I don't want to go forward with this unless I have your approval. Beth glanced over at Emily, then looked back at her dad. Well, what about mom? Are you sure you're, like, okay emotionally to do this? I mean, you still signed her name on our Christmas cards last year. That was an accident, just a force of habit, he said, slightly embarrassed, remembering the resulting conversations. But to tell you the truth, that part has been kind of difficult. I've had to pray about it a lot. He thought about the question Carol had asked the night before and suddenly realized she would have seen Honey's coffee mug in the cabinet that morning. I loved your mom so much, you know that. She was the only woman I'd ever loved, and part of me just went right along to heaven with her. He cleared his throat again. But honestly, this all came out of left field. I wasn't looking for a relationship at all and really didn't think it was something I'd ever have again. But girls, the more time we spent together and the more I prayed about it, the more I couldn't deny that I felt Carol and I are supposed to be together. It just seems right. And she wasn't looking for anyone when she moved here either. But you swept her off her feet? Beth teased. They all laughed. Something like that, he said, blushing. You know, she's actually been through a lot, too. Kind of like us. She's a widow, and she and Cal, well, they've had a tough time on some things. I think we've both been surprised to find joy again. He saw compassion flood the girl's eyes. The same compassion he'd seen so many times in their mother, whether she was dealing with a child who had fallen off a swing, or a 90-year-old who was facing death. Honey raised them so well, he thought. We really do want you to be happy, Dad, Beth said. You deserve that. Emily nodded in agreement. Thank you, girls, he said, his eyes filling with tears. He grabbed one of each of their hands and wondered how he'd gotten so lucky. I love you so much. Always remember that. He gave his card to the server to pay the check. Oh, just one more question, he said. How'd you find out about us so soon, especially last night? They looked at each other again, the guilty look he'd seen so many times when they were trying to silently get their stories straight. 
He remembered one time when Beth had driven the car before she'd technically gotten her license, and Emily had quickly covered for her when he and Honey had found out. Honey, as usual, had convinced him to go easy on them. Girls, he warned again. They stayed silent, and a flash of understanding hit him. Aunt Amy, he asked. Their silence confirmed the answer, and he nodded tersely, irritated he'd even considered apologizing to her. Carol and Cal spent the rest of their Saturday swinging on the porch swing, playing in the backyard, strolling by the pond, and fielding more questions from Charlie's neighbors. That afternoon, they were in the backyard, safer from prying eyes, she had initially thought. However, Charlie's neighborhood still had the chain-link fences, instead of the taller wooden varieties that had become popular with the newer houses. She liked that she could see all around the other yards around the pond, but she realized it meant the neighbors could also see her. As Carol was pushing Cal on the swing, another lady came out in her backyard, gardening tools in hand. Like Debbie that morning, she looked surprised to see so much activity in the north backyard. She put her tools on the patio table and walked over to the fence. Hi there, she called. Hi, Carol returned cheerfully and waved in between pushes. I don't think we've met, the neighbor called, no intention of abandoning her post at the fence. Carol chuckled to herself and walked over. I'm Carol Allen, a friend of Charlie's. He's in Austin. She thought she better work that information in quickly. My son and I are staying here today while our house is being repaired. I'm Tina, the woman said. Isn't that just like Charlie, to invite someone to stay at his house? He and Honey were always doing things like that, the sweetest couple, the woman trailed off. Carol nodded. So I've heard. Well, Tina said, I should get back to weeding. Nice to meet you. I guess I'll see you at church tomorrow. Does the entire neighborhood go to church with us? Carol thought. This is more like small town Alabama than I realized. She returned to push Cal on the swing and laughed to herself as she remembered what her dad used to say. He always told her in Melody that ministry was like management. It would be a lot simpler without all the people. You sure were good at it, though, she said quietly. Good at what, Mom? Cal asked. Oh, I was just remembering something your grandpa used to say, buddy. She thought about the family photos she'd seen the night before in the hall and about how sparse her own family tree seemed sometimes. With her parents and grandparents gone, it was just Melody and her. Melody and her husband, Dale, had three sons, and Dale had a large family that had always welcomed Carol and Cal as if they belonged, just as much as Melody. She wasn't lonely. She just wondered what it would be like to have deeper roots. The phone rang, interrupting her thoughts. Hang on, pal, it's Mr. Charlie. Hey, sweetheart, how'd it go? Oh, finer than frog hair. What? He laughed. You've never heard that one? And you call yourself a country girl. Country girl, you've got the wrong number. I'm a city girl through and through. How is it I just left this morning and miss you already? Well, come on back. I'll make supper. And by make, I mean order something. No way am I competing with those steaks. He laughed again. Be there in a couple of hours. Okay, drive safely, sweetheart. They hung up and she pulled Cal's swing to a stop. All right, pal, let's go pick up around the house before Mr. Charlie gets back, huh? Charlie pulled in the driveway at the same time as the pizza delivery car. He chuckled to himself, remembering how Carol had told him that you can be good at a lot of things, but not everything. And cooking is one of the things I've chosen to not be good at, she'd said, shrugging her shoulders. He thought about some of the things that she was good at, 
shook his head to get himself back on track, and took the pizza from the delivery person. He walked into a clean, quiet house. The late evening sun was shining through the dining room windows, but the table was empty. Carol? he called out. Cal? No response. He heard a laugh from the backyard and headed in that direction. Through the glass back doors, he saw the patio table was covered with a check tablecloth, and there were three bottled Cokes sweating in the heat. Cal was putting down napkins and plastic silverware, and Carol was setting out plates. Citronella candles lined the patio, and the Otis Redding album from the night before was streaming on the outdoor speakers. You want to hear that story again? Carol asked, the sun highlighting a handful of golden streaks in her dark hair. Haven't I told you a hundred times how your grandpa and grandma met? I haven't heard it yet, Charlie said as he pushed the door open and walked out to join them. He ruffled Cal's hair, but never took his eyes off Carol. Hi, he said, putting the pizza on the table. Hi, she smiled. We missed you. It's nice to be missed, he said as they sat down. Thanks for dinner, he continued, winking at her as he opened the box and passed around slices of pepperoni pizza. Now tell me how your parents met. I want to hear. Yeah, tell it, Mom, Cal said. Mr. Charlie, my grandpa knew how to play the guitar. Carol grinned at the two of them. That he did, she said, and he could play the guitar as well as anybody in the state. You've heard of the Muscle Shoals Swampers, right? That did backup for all these amazing groups and singers. Well, Dad was kind of the backup for them. No way, Charlie said. That's amazing. Well, his heart was in his music ministry in Birmingham, but if they needed an extra guitar player, he was the guy they called. So a long, long time ago, way back in the 1970s, Cal's grandpa was filling in one day, playing for this up-and-coming singer who was trying to break into the music business. He told her, out of everyone he'd ever played for, that she had the most beautiful voice he'd ever heard. Even better than Aretha, he said. That's Aretha Franklin, Mr. Charlie, Cal weighed in. Oh, I think I've heard of her, he replied seriously. Well, I guess my mom liked hearing that, Carol continued. They stayed for hours talking after her session, and by the end of the day, she'd given up any dreams of making it big to settle down and sing in churches with him. At least that's the way my sister told it. Mom has records that they made in everything. They were actual musicians, Mr. Charlie. Well, it's no wonder you were such a natural at music then, Cal. I knew there was something special about you the first time you walked into Kids Choir. It's in your jeans. Charlie handed him another piece of pizza. My blue jeans? Cal asked. Charlie and Carol laughed. I'll fill you in on the science another time, buddy, she said. Why don't you finish that piece, then go gather up your stuff. We need to be getting home. Cal inhaled his last piece of pizza, took his plate to the garbage inside, and headed down the hall to get his things. Is your gas leak fixed? Charlie asked, taking her hand. Yeah, they called this afternoon. We should be all set now. Hmm, kind of sorry to hear that, he said, kissing the back of her hand. Me too, but I don't think Debbie and Tina could take it if I spent another night here, she laughed. Carol leaned back in the chair, took a long sip of her Coke, and gazed out at the darkening pond. Sounds like your parents were pretty amazing people, Charlie said. They were, she said. I mean... I actually never knew my mom. She, um, she died when I was born. So all I have are stories. From my sister, mostly. My dad had a hard time talking about her. He left full-time ministry and took a job teaching at Samford after she died. Wow, Charlie exhaled. So both of your parents are gone then. Yeah, she said quietly. 
Dad was running close to campus one night when he had a heart attack. It was the start of the spring semester, my last year of college. That night, it felt like the earth collapsed underneath me, you know? Charlie nodded, and Carol traced the dripping water down the side of her bottle with her finger. But they really were amazing, she continued. They broke a lot of barriers in their time just by being together, especially in Birmingham. I don't know if Amy ever mentioned it, but my mom's mom was African-American, even though her dad was white. Say what you will about Amy, but she's actually not one to gossip, he said. If you tell her something like that, she's good about keeping it to herself. Carol smiled sadly. She misses Amy, he realized. Well, my dad was white too, and their marriage provided a lot of opportunities for discussion in some of the churches. That's a nice way of saying they weren't always welcomed. Oh man, sweetheart, that must have been so hard for them. Yeah, my sister has told me some things about it that she remembers, but without my mom there, it really wasn't an issue for me growing up. My mom's story was complicated too, and my grandmother had passed away by the time my parents even got together. You know, when you're a kid, there are just some things you accept. You don't always think to ask certain questions, and since Dad didn't ever want to talk about it, I feel like there's a whole side of my family, my identity, that I just don't know much about. Sounds like it's weighing kind of heavy on you, Charlie said. I guess it has been. Even though I've always been proud of who I am, being biracial is not one of those things you can tell just by looking at me, she said, rolling her eyes. With my mom and her family gone, I never really felt black, even though it's something that connects me to her. It was just always easy to kind of leave my background in the back, I guess, but I've been thinking about it a lot more as Cal's getting older. I want him to know his whole story. I guess I want to know my story, too, so I texted my sister this afternoon and asked if she could find out anything more about our grandmother's family. That makes sense, Charlie said, squeezing her hand. And if you don't mind my saying so... I guess knowing his story means including his dad, right? Yeah, it will have to. You know, I got married that summer after my dad passed, but looking back, she trailed off as she saw Cal returning. We can talk more about that another time, she said. I try to stick to the happy stuff with him for now. Thank you for telling me all this, he said, pulling her hand to his lips again. You have to know how extraordinary you are, right? Nah, I'm just your average Alabama girl. She smiled. But thanks for listening, sweetheart. She stood up and went inside, and Charlie thought back to his junior year at Baylor in Professor Malone Mays' class. She'd been teaching for more than a decade at that point, but he still remembered her talking about how difficult the students had made things for her when she was the only woman and only African-American in her graduate classes at UT. Her core of strength had shone through in those stories. She taught us a lot more than differential equations, he thought. He'd been raised in a conservative family in Corsicana, but his parents had always stressed the importance of treating everyone equally and kindly. He knew at one point schools had been segregated, but he'd never observed outright racism from the people closest to him. His friends on the football team, though, told different stories, and it had always bothered him that they'd had to deal with something that he could avoid just because of how he was born. Charlie was still thinking through Carol's family situation at church the next day. After the service, he headed to the coffee station. Get me a cup, too? Carol asked as she detoured to the ladies' room. I'll be back in just a minute. Sure, he replied. He was putting the lid on the second cup when he spotted Debbie Garber and Tina Nesbitt chatting with the church secretary. 
a coffee cup in each hand, he walked over to them. Hey, neighbors, he said cheerfully. Their conversation stopped abruptly. Morning, Charlie, Tina finally said. Tina, your marigolds were looking nice this morning. I like seeing that Baylor gold in your front yard. Aren't they pretty? I was really pleased with how they bloomed this year. Charlie, Elaine interrupted. I heard you had some company this weekend. Oh, um, yeah, Charlie replied. You all know Carol Allen, right? She had a gas leak at her place, so I offered her and her son the house while I went to Austin to see the girls. How are Emily and Beth? Tina asked. Oh, they're great, he replied. Both of them just sailing through school. Well, we wouldn't expect anything else from Honey's daughters, Debbie weighed in. No, we wouldn't, he said with a small smile. Carol Allen, Elaine continued. She's the one with the little boy in kindergarten, right? She must be pretty young herself. Charlie reddened as he saw Carol walking towards them. Good morning, Debbie, Tina, she said, taking her cup of coffee from Charlie. It was so nice to meet y'all this weekend. Charlie really helped us out. He put his hand on the small of her back and three pairs of eyebrows shot up. Well, Elaine said, we really should get going. Bye, Charlie, Tina called as they walked away, the other two women already whispering to each other. Carol turned to face him. Well, that was fine, she said. I'm sure it's just going to take some time, he replied. Stick with me, babe. We'll figure it out. Stick with you, huh? She responded. Hmm. As long as you can keep me supplied with coffee, that should be okay. They smiled at each other, and he returned his arm to her waist as they walked toward the children's building. On Monday, Carol woke up to an email from her sister. Hi, baby. We have a fantastic genealogy database at the library, so I did a little more digging on our grandmother. It looks like she had a brother, William Green. Mom and Dad never mentioned him, so I'm not 100% sure, but I think he might still be alive. If it really is the same one I found, he's in his 80s and an assisted living facility. Get this, in Dallas. Carol, I think you're meant to be there. Let me know if you need me to dig around for more info. You know I love a good research question. Love you, always, Mel. Carol sat at her kitchen table, gazing out at her front yard where Charlie had tied the rope swing to the catalpa tree. She read the email again and took a sip of coffee. Meant to be here, huh? She thought, smiling. Maybe you're right, Mel. Carol wondered if she should just drop in and visit or if there was some kind of protocol for contacting a great uncle you'd never met. Melody had sent her the address, but she wasn't familiar with that part of Dallas. After she dropped Cal off at school, she pulled into the parking lot across the street, called work to let them know she wouldn't be coming in, and mapped it on her phone. She navigated south to an area near Love Field, and less than half an hour later was sitting outside a brick building in an older part of town. After checking in at the front desk, Carol started down a hall toward room 12. The inside of the assisted living facility wasn't as dreary as the ones she'd remembered visiting when she was growing up. There were colorful fall wreaths on each door, residents were laughing in their rooms, and the staff members were cheerful and smiling. It smelled a little antiseptic, but she could also smell coffee brewing. Always a good sign, she thought. Mr. Green, she asked as she knocked softly on the door that was slightly ajar. An African-American man was sitting in a recliner beside the bed watching SportsCenter. Yes, he replied, turning to face her. My name is Carol Allen. This might sound strange, but I think... 
I think you might be my mother's uncle, my grandmother's brother. He looked at her more closely. You must be Regina's second girl, he said, smiling. You favor your mama a little. I was real sorry to hear when she passed. Carol nodded. You are my great uncle then? She smiled and let out a big breath, trying to keep her excitement at a manageable level. It's very nice to meet you. I'm sorry we haven't met before. Your mama sent me a picture when your sister was born, but he trailed off. Well, sometimes it's hard to stay in touch. It's nice to meet you too. She looked around the room. A football-shaped cowboy's pillow rested on the bed, along with a navy and silver quilt. He was also wearing a cowboy's sweatshirt. You're a Dallas fan, huh? She asked. How are they doing this year? Never as good as I think they're going to be, he replied, chuckling. She swallowed hard. So, Mr. Green, she started. Willie suits me just fine, he interjected. Willie, then, she smiled. Do you have a few minutes? Ain't got nothing but time in this place, he laughed. Come on in, pull up that chair there. She pulled a chair beside the recliner and decided to come right to the point. I was hoping you could tell me a little more about my grandmother. Since my mother died when I was born, and her mother had already passed by then, too, I just, I'd really like to know more about her. My sister has told me some things, but I guess I've been feeling lately like there's a piece of me missing. I've got a little boy, and I'd like him to know about his family. Do you? He smiled. How old is he? He's six, Carol returned his smile, in kindergarten this year. He pursed his lips and looked out the window, then turned back to her and muted the television. What all do you want to know about her, baby? He continued. Oh, um, anything. Whatever you want to tell me, Carol said. Okay, then. Huh. He nodded, and she bit her lip, willing herself to wait patiently. Well, I guess you know her name was Joy. Nobody's name fit her so well. Happiest girl you could imagine. She drank coffee from sunup to sunset. Oh, I love that. I'm a big coffee drinker myself, Carol grinned. And she surely was a beauty. My big sister broke a lot of hearts. Do you know about how she met my grandfather? A shadow came over his face, and he nodded slowly. Been a long time since I've thought about those days. It's not something I really like thinking about. Carol took his hand. I'm sorry. This must all be so unexpected. I don't want to make you uncomfortable. Please just share what you feel like she said. He looked at his hands and nodded again. She was so excited when she got that job. He sighed and shook his head, then glanced at Carol. Live-in housekeeper. She did all the cooking and cleaning, but there wasn't much to do with just him there. It paid good, and she got to live in a big house out on the edge of Bessemer. He wasn't always around a lot at first, and she got to where she acted like she owned the place. He chuckled. I went out there a time or two, and it really was something. That house had been in his family for a long time, I think. He was kind of an odd fellow, but like I said, your grandma was pure joy. It was hard for anybody to know her and not to love her. I guess one thing led to another, and it wasn't too long before your mama came along. Carol took a deep breath in, then exhaled slowly. We tried to warn her about it. Alabama in those days was pretty bad. Just being black was risky enough, but you start mixing in stuff like that, People didn't take kindly to it. We were real worried for her. It was a lonesome old place they lived, almost out in the country back then. He had a lot of money, traveled around for work, but didn't socialize or nothing. So I guess she thought they were safe. Of course, 
she wasn't in a position to turn him down either, but Joy said they were in love. He smiled ruefully at her. Carol leaned back in the chair. Hey, you doing okay, baby? He asked. Yeah, I just, we never knew any of this, my sister and I, she said. Please go on. Well, both your grandparents passed when your mama was still little. He paused and looked down at his hands again. Nothing much to say about that. Then she went up north to school. I came out here. We didn't do so good about staying in touch. Carol nodded and took his hand. Thank you. I hope we can fix that. He looked at her in surprise, a smile spreading over his wrinkled face. Yeah? Yeah. I'd really love to get to know you better, she continued, and get to know more about my mama and her family, you know? I'm willing to listen to anything you want to tell, and I'd love for my little boy to meet you. She pulled out her phone and showed him a picture of Cal. Look at that. He sure does favor your mama, doesn't he? Carol nodded. I think so, too. I'll bring him by next time we visit, if you don't mind us visiting. We actually live here now. In Dallas? Oh, you gotta be kidding. Yeah, I think God brought us out here, and I'm excited to see what he's doing. He leaned back in his recliner and turned his head, a thoughtful look on his face. You know, your grandparents might have been a good match if it had been another time, but they probably should never have been together. They were too different, and the world around them wasn't ready for it. Carol frowned and nodded. It's always hard to change people's minds, he continued, shaking his head. She nodded again, smiled tightly, and squeezed his hand. I should go, she said softly, but I'll be back to see you soon, and I can't thank you enough. He squeezed her hand in return. You be sure to come back soon. She went back down the hall, pushed open the front door, and walked past the Halloween decorations outside. She sat in her car, tears streaming down her face, and leaned back in the driver's seat. Thank you, she whispered. Thank you for this, for bringing me out here for my uncle, for Charlie. Please help us to change people's minds about us. She pulled out her phone to text Melody, then bit her lip and pulled up Amy instead. Carol had reached out to her a couple of times after Amy had found out about her relationship with Charlie, but she'd never responded. One more time won't hurt, she thought. Hey, Amy, she texted. Just checking in. I'd really like us to get things back on the right track. I'm open for coffee anytime you are. She waited a couple of minutes, but got no response.